What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Inventory with your host, Ben Kuchapuni and E. Grizzy Graham. Ben, it is post-Super Bowl week. We all watched the Super Bowl from wherever we were. Ben, what do we think about Rihanna's you know, performance? <laughs> you know, I one of the better one of the better halftime shows I've seen. Rihanna absolutely killed it. And the fact that she was pregnant doing all that. Shout out Riri. I I love Rihanna. I've loved Rihanna for a while. And just seeing this halftime performance, absolutely beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely beautiful. I also, yeah, big fan of Riri. She performed all her hits. You know, obviously it's a sports podcast, but we can't we can't deny Riri singing the, Don't Stop the Music and Umbrella. Come on. Yeah, and shout out ASAP for being there too. Love ASAP. Shout out to ASAP. Also, what do we think about the commercials, Ben? What do we think? What, 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 compared to the other years, I know the commercials have been on a, on a bit of a decline. So for, I'm sure for everyone who watched the Super Bowl, the one that got on everyone and probably caused fights in the house was the Tubi commercial. Oh, yeah. That, when, when Tubi just popped up on the screen and, and, and like without any control, it just scrolled through the app. I'm sure that just, I'm sure that caused a lot of, injuries in the household everybody was confused everybody thought it was sitting on a remote but I, I you know we're in college i attended a marketing class and my professor loved that commercial because not only did it cause a stir but like it also showed on tubi's interface like what shows and movies they have and they got a little bit of a selection so you know s tier ad i might say yeah they they did show it i've used tubi for a little bit but this is like the first major ad i've seen for them so shout out to tubi great yeah. marketing also Absolutely love the Breaking Bad ad. Oh, popcorners, baby! Woo! That was beautiful. Shout out, shout out, Jesse and Walter for coming back. Unbelievable! We don't eat our own supply, Jesse. We don't eat our own supply. Don't eat it. Say my, say their name. Say their name. But enough talk about the superlatives of the Super Bowl. We actually got to talk about what actually happened. As we all know, the Chiefs pulled out a pretty, really nice win against the Eagles, thirty-eight, thirty-five. In what I think is an instant classic, which we'll get to, obviously, besides that last call. I think this is a really good Super Bowl, Ben. Ben, before we get into anything you know, decent, what do you think about the outcome of the game? You know, I'm, I'm so happy this is a close game. I, was, I feel like this is definitely one of the better Super Bowls I've seen. Probably the best I've seen since uh, the Eagles and Patriots played about five years ago. Yeah. Because this was just a gutsy, gutsy win by the Chiefs. Like high scoring, I knew this was gonna be a higher scoring game because both these teams are the best offense in the league. But I just love the way uh, both these coaches—that's th- that's something that stood out to me. They coached both these coaches coached a great game. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid was able to make second half adjustments. Nick Sirianni, even though his team lost, the fourth down, the fourth down calls, every single one he converted. And I thought in the first half he dial he dialed up some good plays to um kind of sustained uh, Kansas City offense, but we all know you can only get to Patrick Mahomes for so long. Absolutely, Ben. I just think that – I think you called it before the Super Bowl happened that it was going to come down to some, some somewhat of a chess match. So, you know, Ben Ben with his third eye calling this one. I think it was, you know, it was it was interesting because there wasn't a single player that, did, that had a bad game. Everybody was just on their point besides the defensive line, which we'll That's get into shortly. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, obviously 182 yards, three touchdowns, and Super Bowl MVP, his second of his career, second out of the five years he started as quarterback, which is insane. Unbelievable. Jalen Hurts, which I think had a somewhat better game than Patrick Mahomes. He did. Jalen Hurts was spectacular. Honestly, like, 
Travis Kelsey hit it on the hit on the button with his on his uh podcast. He said even with the loss, Jalen Hurts very could have won MVP still. He was spectacular. Three hundred four yeah. passing yards, one touchdown, seventy yards on the ground, and three touchdowns. Given three of them were off of sneaks, but Jalen Hurts absolutely played his heart out. And the, some of the throws he made were just amazing. He made I remember he made a great crossbody on the run pass to. Devontae Smith on a third down. He made a beautiful pass to Dallas Goddard in the red zone. He Jalen Hurts did no wrong. This the loss wasn't on him. It's not even close. Absolutely, absolutely. He played his heart out and he really showed that he can play on the biggest stage. But um I want to just note a little New Jersey boy real quick. The emergence of Isaiah Pachenko. Oh my God. 76 yards on 15 attempts on the ground, a touchdown, and the fact that he led the 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 Chiefs this year in rushing yards and he's doing a lot of these things as a rookie. Oh my god, very very bright future from the from the New Jersey kid going to Kansas City. But um that's this is the one thing though I want to keel into is that um the Eagles the biggest takeaway for the Eagles and why they win game is their rushing yards. And they only had 115 rushing yards this game, 70 in which from their quarterback. The big thing going into this game was their running creates a lot of offense for them in the air. Because as we all know in football, the more you run, the more you get accustomed for the run defense, the more you pass, right? But the fact that the Chiefs somewhat neutralized the running backs, you know, albeit Miles Sanders didn't have a good game, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, that's what kept the game interesting and putting the Eagles on the back foot, which they did beautifully and dealt with beautifully, having a total of 417 yards this game. But... That was a big takeaway, the fact that their quarterback was their leading rusher. And that's why a lot of these mistakes happened and the Chiefs kind of just keeled into it and got the lead late game. Yeah, another thing uh, that I want to bring up for Kansas City, their offensive line was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the biggest the biggest issue that came out of um, the Super Bowl uh, 55 two years ago was Kansas City couldn't block Tampa Bay for shit. Pardon my French. They, yep. um... Patrick Mahomes was running for his life, but the investments they made in the offensive line, sending Joe Tooney, uh, drafting Creed Humphrey, drafting Trey Smith, um, that they all they all um, showed out tonight. Uh, not tonight in the Super Bowl on the biggest stage, and the Eagles' offensive line was historically good. Four players had over ten sacks apiece during the regular season. The team finished with seventy, which is the third most of all time. Insane. Only it's, behind it's, the, the modern era, insane. Yeah, only behind the eighty-five Bears and the Purple Peep leaders, two of the best defenses of all time. So, absolutely, this Eagles defense was historically good, but the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line held it down, giving up zero sacks, zero. No, which is zero, zero is insane, and they had very little quarterback pressure in general. And um, Devo Samuel made up a very interesting point about the Eagles on how. He's saying how their secondary is pretty sorry, and the fact that a lot of their defensive, you know, genius comes from the fact that their defensive line is so good. He might have been onto something. He might he might have been onto something, and um, this game confirmed it. The fact that if you don't pressure the quarterback, the Eagles secondary can only handle him so long, and you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to slice and dice you anyway, and you give him time. He's going to do what he has to do. And shout out to the fact that he had a re-aggravated ankle sprain. He still went out there and scrambled. Bro, there was moments like your heart dropped when he, the when he went out the pocket. biggest scramble of the game on that last drive. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it, this game this game was absolutely awesome. And um, one big takeaway back to the rushing is that the Chiefs had 158 yards rushing. You know, they moved it a lot, right? 
And um, we're not going to deny also the fact that Kadarius Tony had a massive punt return. Oh my god, what? That's insane. It, Where like, did that come from? I, I I don't know. I just know that this game. Everybody was on, right? So, you know, the Eagles, the the Chiefs just won the coin toss. They decided to defer, which a lot of people were skeptical with. Obviously, the Eagles went down the score, but then the Chiefs scored right back. And then you were like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen here, right? And if you look at the game trend here, the game is really interesting, right? The first quarter, both teams uh, emerged tied 7-7. Seven to seven. And in the second quarter, the Chiefs had set, only scored a touchdown, 7 points. And then the Eagles let out 17 points in the second quarter. So and at halftime, when we're all watching Reed, we were like, damn, this is going to be a, a different game for the Chiefs. And then, whether it's the fumble or the calls or whatever or not, the Chiefs decided upon this late burn, and then the Eagles kind of cooled off. Third quarter, Chiefs had a touchdown. Eagles only had a field goal. And then in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs got 17 points, and the Eagles only got eight. It was a shootout of a game. It, it was, was a shootout. What we expected. The one unsung hero I'll save for the Chiefs, Nick Bolton. The, lineba- the second-year linebacker had himself the game of his life. Eight tackles, one assisted tackle, a forced fumble, and the fumble recovered for the touchdown. It was, he was the game-changer. There's nothing yeah. else to He was by far the best player on the Chiefs defense, and he was just making stop after stop. Shout out to shout out to Nick. He he might have been the sole reason why I can't say the sole reason, but he was a huge factor. That fumble really changed a lot of things because it looked like the Eagles were going to really run away with it. No, yeah, it, it was weird. I think the Chiefs would have kept scoring, but they needed a stop, then a score. Yeah, right? they were going to play from behind. Yeah, and getting the, a stop like that. Yeah, the Eagles started out with the ball, so it was just a matter of getting a stop and then flipping the script towards yourselves. But it was also, this game was somewhat of a passing genius. No picks thrown. Uh, both teams had over six yards uh, a passing attempt. Chiefs had 6.7 yards per attempt. Eagles had 7.9. And, like, this game was just, oh, my gosh, it was awesome. But one discrepancy, though, is the time of possession. Yep. The Eagles accumulated 35 minutes and 47 seconds of ball possession, while the Chiefs only had 24 minutes and 13 seconds of ball possession and they came they they won and it's really interesting to see like it was just an absolute absolute shootout and i was so excited to see the super bowl and after watching it i my appetite was you know it my thirst was quenched like it was a really good super bowl because my fear was it was gonna be a very defensive game like a lot of mistakes on the offensive side but both teams just came out to sling the rock and it was enjoyable for all the viewers because everyone loves seeing a shootout, and this was a shootout. Absolutely. But, Ben, I got to ask you, I, I know America's asking themselves, that late call on, on Bradbury on the Juju soft hold to basically solidify the game for the Chiefs. You know, Andy, Andy Reid's a master with clock management, so getting a whole new set of downs in the red zone like that was just a matter of time before they can do anything with it. What's your thoughts on that call, Ben? Listen, that was a hold. James Bradbury said that himself. But it couldn't have come at the wor- at a worse time. Absolutely. Third and eight at the Philly 15-yard line. Under two minutes left in the game, Juju attempted to run a little whip route and then run a go to the end zone. Mahomes overthrew him, which would have been brought up a fourth and long and it forced the field goal. But flag was called. Chiefs got a new set of downs. If that call didn't happen, the Eagles would have had a little over a minute and a half and a timeout to tie the game. Instead, they were left with no timeouts in eight seconds. Which led to a failed Hail Mary attempt. So I'm not I'm not gonna say that 
it was a bad call because that was a flag. Bro literally admitted it himself, but I feel like that could could have been a play on for sure. But what's done is done. I that what's done is done. But the ref, the ref, it came with like especially with like the lack of calls in general in this game. I feel like there were not a lot of flags on the Chiefs. Only had three penalties. The Eagles only had six. That one, one of them being that crucial holding call. Yeah. But in a game where there was no flags, a ge- not much flags, a game that turned out looked to be an instant classic with no problems with the refing at all. There wasn't really any other bad calls before that. I feel like you can't really make that. You can't throw that flag in that moment. Yeah, I'm, I understand where you come from. But honestly, I think this game was officiated incredibly well. You know, obviously there's been a, a lot of talks throughout the league about officiating and, and I think in all leagues, right? And there's this whole like looming cloud over sports about scripts, rigging games, all this stuff like that. But I think this game was truly officiated perfectly. And that call, it was a holding, right? Now, was it a soft hold? Yes. You know, that happens probably every play. There's a pass involved. Everybody's getting touched up at some point. But calling in that moment, it's not the wrong call. It's just a call we don't want to see. We know we want to see more of a streamlined, stressful ending, you know. But um, seeing that call, it's like, all right, you know, it, it is what it is. And what, do, what are you going to do about that call, right? It's like, okay, like, are you really going to bank? Like, Chase and Kelsey said it beautifully. I think it was uh, the first loss they received. They mentioned on the podcast with the commanders. It's like, listen, like, why are we blaming a few seconds of a ref when we played 40 minutes of a shitty game, right? It's yeah. like at the end of the day, you still let up 38 points um, and you're supposed to be the number one defense in the league, right? Um, you fumbled. Jalen Hurts fumbled. That, that, was, that was the p- biggest crucial moment that for was. the Eagles because the Eagles, they had this pressure on the Chiefs. They were hot. They were they, – bro, they had like how many first downs? They had 25 first downs. They had – 11 passes for a first, uh, 12 rushes for a first. Bro, every fourth down they converted. Like, they, they, their, their foot was on their throat regarding the offense, and that just stumped them, right? So, and if you're in a game like this, you have two teams that you can't afford to make a single mistake. Like, this isn't the Commanders, right? This isn't, you know, the Jaguars or whatever. Like, Not if you make Jaguars mistakes... Yeah, if you make mistakes against either team like this, and a couple other teams that were eliminated, of course, but like this is this is the S tier upper echelon of teams that if you make a mistake, you're gonna you're gonna pay for it. They're gonna like, they're gonna capitalize on it, right? And the Eagles just made a couple more mistakes than the Chiefs, and lo and behold, the score is eight thirty eight thirty five. Patrick Mahomes is in Disneyland right now with his daughter, and Jalen Hurts is watching film. Yeah, it's yeah, and there's another thing that I want to get into. Jonathan Gannon, well, the Eagles, the future is very interesting for them because they lost both of their coordinators on the same day. Shane Station, the offensive corner, became the head coach of the Colts. And defensive corner, corner Jonathan Gannon became um, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. So I don't know how much this is going to affect them because the Eagles, I feel like, are just simply too talented to have a drop-off. You know, they arguably have the most stacked roster in football. Yeah. But... I'm a little. I'm still. I'm kind of surprised that Jonathan Gannon was still able to get a head coaching job with uh, other guys on the market, and the fact that he he coached a pretty bad game defensively. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, Ben. But then again, how how bad can you really coach a game when a your defensive line is just not getting to him, and you're they're just getting locked up? B 
you're going up against the probably the best generational quarterback you know we've seen in a minute a guy who just he's just a wizard with the ball and C, they have the best tight end in, in football and I think football history. You know, like how 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 bad can you really do it? I'm sure the schemes were there, but the, a, a lot of their Eagles, like Debo Samuel said, and, I, and now that I look about it, I agree. A lot of their defense is predicated on pressure on the quarterback, putting your putting the opposition's quarterback in stressful situations. But since they gave him time, especially Patrick Mahomes, like bro, like you're you're just gonna you're asking for a beatdown, right? Um, I think from an OC perspective, it's not going to be much different. Jalen Hurts is still a stellar, stellar athlete. He's still going to be able to pass the rock. He's evolved as a passer. He's going to continue to evolve as a passer. He can still run, so he's still dangerous. That wide receiving core is still good. The line is still good. We'll see what Jason Kelsey does about retirement because he's going to mull over that. But I think offense is going to be fine. I think defense is going to be a problem because, like, you make a good point in saying that, like, oh, they, you know, they have too much talent to kind of fail per se. But you can still underutilize guys and misuse guys, right? Like, let's also, say. Also, there are people hitting free agency. I know CJ Garner is going to be a free agent this year. Led the oh, league in picks, and I don't think the Eagles are going to be able to bring him back. Bro, there's going to be a lot of guys for the Eagles. Is also a free agent. Bro, yeah. A lot of guys on the defensive side. I think the def- defense is going to struggle. And Brandon Graham also might retire. Exactly. Like, these guys are getting old, right? And they have the fifth pick in the draft or whatever it is, but it's a very big pick. So they can trade it, package it, do whatever you want. But I think the offense is still going to be um, as productive as it was this past season. But the defense, I think, is going to take a hit. And the thing about the defense, right, is if you come in with a coordinator that's not on the same page as his defense, you can underutilize guys, right? So, Ben, argument's sake, right? You're the best linebacker in the league, right, off the rush, right, Ben? You lead yeah. the league in sacks. You're really good, right? But you suck in the zone. If I come in and my scheme is a 3-4 and I love the zone – you're not going to live up and be, you know, put up the stats that I know you can because I'm just misusing you. And if the wrong guy enters Philadelphia's culture and just misuses some of these stellar, stellar athletes, the defense will struggle. I think yeah. the offense is going to still do what they got to do because Seriani's an offensive-minded guy anyway. So I'm not really worried about them. But the defense, you got to look out for that. I, I agree. Moving on to the Chiefs side, I have one. I have a question for you, which might break up a little controversy, but we'll get into that later. Of course, Patrick Mahomes. Five years in the league, five years starting, sixth year in the league, first for being a redshirt year. Two regular season MVPs, two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs. Where do you rank him all time on the quarterback list? Top three unanimously. Um, Thomas, like Thomas, Thomas, Tom ahead, Brady, I feel like Joe Montana and Peyton Manning are still the unanimous top three. I, I don't know if I still put Peyton there. I, I I don't know. This guy, for five seasons, he's done more than the, like, I don't even know, like, than 99% of quarterbacks. He already has the same amount of uh, Super Bowls as uh, Peyton. Peyton has two? Oh, because he has one in the Colts and one in Broncos, right? Yeah, but yeah. he also does have five MVPs. Yeah, yeah. But uh, this guy's going to continue winning MVPs at a high rate. He's still going to win Super Bowls. All right, I, I just think he's top three. I think Joe Montana falls out the list for me. I don't know why. I think it's just the type of game now. The game is really West Coast oriented, right? So like you can like it's the same thing as like um like the '90s in basketball, right? The mid range was the bread and butter of teams, right? And three point wasn't really like uh, utilized, right? Now that we talk in this modern game where you have higher scoring outputs, higher scoring games because the three points more utilized, like what's the deal? And 
I've seen tape on all these guys. I love watching old games in its entirety, mistakes and highlights. And Patrick Mahomes, bro, like I just can't get over the fact how he does it. And at some moments, it looks so awkward. He's just twirling around like a ballerina, but he just throws these balls at the flick of the wrist of 40 yards to 87 or 24 or 19 or 9 or 10 when he was still around Tyreek Hill. I, I think I'm putting him in the top three. I just, I just think that what he's doing for the quarterback position, how he's revolutionizing it, not only is he as a good pocket passer as those guys we mentioned, but he also can scramble and throw on the run, some, something that some of those other guys lacked because their generation was about pocket passing, right? And they'll get, you know, they'll get sacked or they'll throw it away and stuff like that. But like this guy, he's just utilizing everything he has. And at the end of his career, I, I don't know how long he's going to play for because I think Tom Brady made an untouchable record because the fact that he played until he was 46, like that's, that's an abnormality. Like no one's going to do that. Yeah. But he's definitely going to be top five in every major passing category. I think he's going to tie Peyton for the MVPs. MVPs are really easy to win now, especially if you're a quarterback. You just have to throw 40-plus touchdowns, and you're fine. Um, the Super Bowls are only going to get harder, but this team is really young. If they like play their contracts right, you can still be here. I don't know where Andy Reid's going to go. You know, Retirement's always an option for him. But Travis Kelsey's also getting up there in age. It's absolutely, probably- absolutely. So we'll, we'll see. But I think I think he's top three. I don't know. I think Tom's first, but order after that, I don't know. But I think he's definitely top three. Like this guy's really, really good. For me, Patrick Mahomes is he I think he's already the most talented quarterback in history. I don't think there's any question about that. Yeah. The stuff that this guy can do is just alien like. And we're talking about greatness. I put him right outside the top three for now, but give him one more ring, I'd probably move him up to three or two. I'd still have Tom Tom Payton and Montana above, but he's already over, he's already done he's already above guys like John Elway, Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, Dan Marino, all those guys. I just think I think by the time he's done, I think he could de- very well overtake Tom. But as you said, it's all about longevity. Tom Brady played till he's forty six years old, twenty three seasons. Patrick Mahomes with his play style, I don't think he's going to be able to reach twenty three seasons because. With all the running around and all the deep balls he throws, you're, you're bound to suffer a shoulder injury or an ankle, another ankle injury. But as of now, Patrick Mahomes is undisputably the the fourth best co- in the top four, maybe top three. Yeah. I, I just think that you're right about the scrambling play style. That's what I'm most worried about, about like guys like Jalen Hurts. It's, it's, it's being able to adapt that game when yeah, you're older. But the thing is, though, Patrick Mahomes is also one of the most accurate, deadly packet, like pocket passers, right? So, like, even if you eliminate that aspect from his game, which to some degree was eliminated in this game in the Bengals game, he still was slicing and dicing. Like, he he can make the adjustments need be right, and um, his scrambling isn't like a Lamar or a Jalen or those guys. It's very subtle. You know, it's very poised, um, and I think it's just just, just right, the amount of scrambling he does. Because at the end of the day, like, Jalen Hurts, Lamar Jackson, guys like that have designed runs. Patrick Mahomes never really has a design run. He's, he, like, his job is to pass, and if there's no one there, he'll, like, a little tiptoe tap. Kermit the Frog goes, over, goes for a little, like, eight-yard, you know, little scramble. I, I just think he's just awesome. And the fact that... You know, he's going to have this this cool career, hopefully. It's going to be really, really fun to see. It's also a big win for Kansas City. Shout out to my boy, Miles Gartland. He's in Europe right now, but he's from Olathe, Kansas. Um, it's cool to see small market teams get a franchise guy like this. 
You know, it's the same thing with LeBron Cleveland landing him. It's the same. You could say Chicago, too, when they land in Michael. You could say the same thing with Shohei Otani going to the Angels. They're not really a big, huge market team, or Mike Trout even. Um, It's cool when small market teams can capture all-time talent, and it really just shakes the league up because they're not really in really good cap situations and their market is small, but they get guys like this, and it really, you know, makes sports interesting. Yeah, just what Patrick Mahomes has done for the city of Kansas City is Absolutely. nothing short of remarkable. And Absolutely. They deserve this. Uh, they broke their 50-year drought of, um, of, the, of winning the Super Bowl three years ago, back when they beat the Niners. And they've endured some tough seasons, both um, in playoff utility with uh, Alex Smith at the helm. And also just before that, they were terrible. I don't know if you remember about, I think it might have been like 10, 11 years ago. They had a season where they had no wide receivers score any touchdowns. That's wild. It's, Back it's, when Jamal Charles led the team, but that was they've had some very, very, very rough seasons. And now to have this guy, Patrick Mahomes, who's gonna lead that team to many more rings to come for the next 12, 15 years. Now here's the thing, Ben. I have a question for you that's bound to spark some sort of discussion. Do you think that they're a dynasty? Currently? Yeah. Um, I'd say one more in the Actually, yeah, I'd say so because people consider the Warriors a dynasty when they won their second ring. This this Kansas City team, just um, the last five years, ever since Patrick Mahomes has been a quarter starting a quarterback, first full season led them to the AFC Championship, lost to the Patriots. Second year led them to a championship over the 49ers. Third year, um, went to the Super Bowl, lost to Tom Brady and the Bucks. Fourth year, led him to the AFC Championship, lost to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. This season, led him to the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl against the Eagles. Two rings in five years, three Super Bowl appearances in five years, and they didn't make, they never, they never made it up. They made it to the AFC Championship at least in all five of those seasons. I think it is safe to say they're a dynasty right now. I think I'm with you on that. I see a lot of people saying that you got to get one more ring or one more really deep season, but like, this team is not only dominating, but they will continue to dominate. And I give them another three years before some of their big heavy hitters like Travis Kelsey and other guys start to like wind down. But Travis Kelsey's still doing his thing. Like he's not going anywhere anytime soon. I give him another three years of this kind of production, really. Because yeah. the way he plays and the way Andy Reid utilizes him like on crossing routes and delay fades and other things like that, like it, it's smart. And he's also a smart ball carrier and uh receiver. You know, he gets down, secures catch. Like, he doesn't really put his body, like, super crazy on the line either. He's also a huge dude. Like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. He just knows how to go up and get the ball. And he just, yeah. he knows how to get open. For Ever since he's been in the league, I've always, know, I've always asked myself, how the hell does he get so open all the time? Seems like every time he, go, he runs around, he just gets so open. Yeah. Unbelievable. Him, him and Patrick and Andy Reid are all on the same page. And the way they read defenses and deal with them is crazy. But also, like... I think it solidifies the dynasty because you have a plethora of just young guys that are still on rookie deals and are going to get paid. Isaiah Pachanko, Kadarius, Tony Sky Moore, your line, Creed Humphrey, Trent Smith. Like these guys are young. They're on rookie contracts. Nick, yeah, and they're and they're going to continue to produce at this level. Like man, like the Chiefs are in a really really good spot right now. They really are. They're filled. Besides, like I mean, if we're being real, besides Travis Kelsey, there's no like guy who's like old like yeah. old. all these guys are relatively young yeah, even the deep, nick bull and willie gay 
Leo Chanel, LeJarius Sneed, Trent McDuffie, Juan Thornhill, Chris Jones is still relatively young, George Karlaftis. All these guys are young, and they're going to only get better. And they're studs, and they've had a taste of a Super Bowl. They've experienced deep playoff runs. Not only are they young, but they're experienced as well and in the highest honor you could possibly have in this league. And they're, they're going to be scary next season. They really are. Now, one more topic I want to bring up. For next season, and eat for each for each conference, who do you think are the teams that can challenge Kansas City and Philadelphia for um, their respective conference titles? Ben, this is a tough one because I, I really think they're just going to run into the same stomping roadblocks that they ran into. I, I don't know what's going to happen with the Ravens. I think they're going to – I think Lamar might move on. It, it, there's too much to tell right Good. there. Should come to New York. It, I would love them to see him in, in green for you guys. I think the Bills, they're going to figure their woes out. Um, the departure of Brian DeBall's OC for the Bills showed that like they need something, some adhesive at the OC position calling plays for Josh Allen. So I think they're going to they're gonna bounce back and they're going to make a deep playoff run. So I, I'm, I'm fearful for the Bills across the AFC. Uh, Bengals, same deal. Like they're gonna, they're just gonna be here again. Like th- there's no surprise there. I think the NFC gets really interesting, though. I do think that the Cowboys, obviously, there's bias here. I think they're gonna figure their thing out, and um, they're gonna continue to do what they gotta do. I think they made some right coaching, you know, decisions. They're gonna draft well. I think the 49ers, um, if their quarterback situation works out, that could be also, you know, interesting because their defense is still awesome. And there's something you're, they're a team that you don't want to see in the playoffs. Um, Dolphins, I, I don't know. I there there's a lot of problems with the Dolphins. You know, the run game sucks. Um, they let up too many big plays. Buccaneers are are donezo. Giants are probably going to win the first game and lose the second, as always. Like their their team is they're going to get better, but they're not going to get much you know uh, worse either. And um, the Vikings are going to I think they're going to they're going to blow it up a little bit. So I think it's just the same teams that we kind of saw in the divisionals. You know, the 49ers, Cowboys, Bills, Bengals, Chiefs. Like, those are the, the same teams for the next couple of years. I don't really see any other teams making really, really big changes. Yeah, you know, for me, as long if Miami stays healthy, like, they can definitely make a surprise run. You know, they were a very good, they're a very good team when Tua's healthy, but we don't know if, we don't know about Tua. Tua's yeah. had three concussions this season. It's a massive, but- massive question for him, and... Um, in Miami, there's a lot of shifting parts. Uh, Miami's front office loves to just move on from things a little too quickly, I yep. might add. And if Tua sustains one more thing remotely related to his head, leg- like for legality purposes, I think you just move on. Like you can't, you can't deal with that, right? Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I think the Chargers might do a couple of different things I, too. I don't trust the Chargers until Brandon Staley is out of a job. Oh, that's fair. They're that's not fair. going anywhere with that man at the helm. It's, it's Joel weird. They got, Ken, they got Kellen Moore, but they're not going anywhere. I think, that, I, think, I think they're going to a playoff game, but I don't think they're going to make a run. I think uh, Kellen Moore in, in LA is going to show how bad of an OC he is. Uh, you know, obviously, thank you for your time in Dallas, but like, it's going to show like sometimes like his plays are just whack. whack. Yeah, obviously, Cincinnati's. My opinion, they're the biggest uh, contenders to uh, Kansas City right now. The AFC Buffalo. They're so interesting. I feel like this year could be their last chance to make to with their current core because guys are getting older, guys are getting guys are expensive. Stefan Diggs is still is actually getting up there in age a little bit. And he might get frustrated. You saw him with Josh yeah. Allen on the sideline during the loss. 
Jordan Poyer is going to leave the Bills this offseason. Von Miller is getting older and might retire after this year. Micah Hyde's getting older. They don't really. Gabe Davis is a good receiver, but I feel like they don't have a reliable receiver too. Still, um, the running backs are still very questionable. And as you said before, Brian Dable's departure has really taken a hit on Josh Allen. He's been, he hasn't been as careful with the ball as he usually is. He's thrown a lot of picks, turned the ball over a lot, and I feel like it's going to be tough for Buffalo to um, compete this year. And but obviously, we know Buffalo is still a, such a stacked team. And when you have Josh Allen, you can probably be anyone in the NFL. But I just think the I just think uh, if Buffalo wants to make a run for the Super Bowl, I feel like this has to be the year to do it. Yeah, I, I do agree, Ben. Beautifully said that Buffalo is probably in the most win-now state because all the teams we mentioned not only are young, but they're you know under contract for a while, and they're pretty like solidified. But the Bills are probably in the most win-now state because of age. I didn't even think about that. The fact that all these guys are just getting older, especially their secondary and safeties, like Jordan Poyer's up there in age, all those other guys are up there in age. And so there's some guys who are going to want to get paid. Tredavious White still has yet to get a big payday, really, for Buffalo. Matt Milano, you're going to throw money at him. He's awesome. And, and okay, he's going to leave. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's really, really interesting. And what does that do for Josh Allen? You know, I do think Josh Allen's probably a top-five quarterback in this league, but – you know, he had a pretty mediocre season. At least know, especially in the playoffs. Mediocre. Yeah, it's just it's it's gonna be really, really difficult. But before we uh you know move on, I want to ask you a final question. You being a Jets fan, the luring name known as Derek Carr, you have a meeting, he's a meeting tomorrow, I believe. But uh Ben, what are you feeling as a Jets fan going into the offseason? Listen, it's it all depends on the quarterback. The team does have holes. There's holes in the offensive line. they are at the end of the year, the offensive line was literally held together with bubble gum and duct tape. But you, the thing is, I uh, there's still a hole. I mean, there are holes. They got offensive line, safety is a hole. Uh, wide receiver, I feel you have to adjust a little bit. You have to get just a serviceable guy as a three, considering Corey Davis is definitely going to be gone. But that's that's not a hard fix. And you got two solid ends. You're going to get Brees Hall back. Um, your defense is still one of the best in football. But it all depends on the quarterback. And as a Jets fan, the it's either Lam- I feel you got to get either Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, or Derek Carr. Ryan Tannehill doesn't cut it. Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't cut it. But the thing is, the difference between these three, it's all it's all very different scenarios. So with Derek Carr, who's going to visit tomorrow, I feel like you have a, a few years with Derek Carr because he's only he's thirty two years old. He's not that old, but he's not an elite guy by any means. He's probably a top. 14, 12 quarterback who can give you 4,000 yards and, and 30 touchdowns, but he's not an MVP elite caliber quarterback. But if you want to build your roster in the most complete way, you probably have to go with Carr because it's not going to cost you any draft picks and he's going to be cheaper than the other two guys who we'll get to in a second. For sure, for sure. And Derek Carr, he'll lead you to the playoffs. It might lead you to a win, but if you're contending for a Super Bowl, you want to go against Buffalo, Kansas City. Uh, Cincinnati, I feel like um, you have to do better than Carr, but the other two guys, Aaron Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, I feel like, I think Aaron Rodgers will be a New York Jet at this time next month. You know, he's going on his four-day darkness retreat to go find himself, and I think the Packers are done. I think the Packers are fed up with him. There's been speculation of him moving on for a few years, and I saw Jordan, they finally saw Jordan Love play a little bit, and he looked pretty solid, and Aaron yeah. Rodgers is giving Jordan Love the green light. So I think the Packers are going to be looking to move on from him. And, you know, Woody Johnson wants the big name at quarterback. They've, 
he knows more than anyone how mediocre or bad the Jets have Jets quarterbacks have been from Zach Wilson to Sam Darnold to Mark Sanchez to Chad Pennington to Vinny Testaverde. The list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Phil, you have to get a guy like Rodgers. He's he's 39 years old. He's probably going to retire in a year or two, but probably two years. But if you trade maybe a second round pick and another conditional pick, um, what giving a, a conditional pick that could turn to a first if Rodgers plays beyond the next season, I feel like you got to do that because Aaron Rodgers, as old as he is and as much of a whack job he is, he's still an elite quarterback. And I feel like the Jets didn't need elite quarterback to succeed last year. They won seven games and were six and three with with Zach Wilson and Mike White leading, not Mike White, Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco at the time leading the charge. They were six and three. Imagine what Aaron Rodgers can do with the offensive rookie of the year and probably the would have been offensive rookie of the year healthy. Absolutely. I, I think that'd be really cool. Shout out to like the Brett Favre like arc where he was a jet too. Like I yeah. think that'd be really cool well, from the Packers perspective. Yeah. They would have won the division that year if he didn't get hurt, but that's besides the point. And then Lamar Jackson, I mean, that's obviously the holy grail of quarterbacks available. Lamar Jackson, when he's healthy, is just one of the most electrifying players in football. He changes your whole offense, but he's got the Ravens will demand a ransom for him. It's going to be at least three first-round picks. And you're going to pay him probably at least $250 million guaranteed. Because that whole Deshaun Watson thing screwed everything up. Yeah. $230 million for Watson, three firsts and a bunch of and a few other picks. That's I blew up the market, and not, there's no demi- denying Lamar Jackson's talent, but but I feel like you're but I feel like you're going to sacrifice a lot of pieces to give him up. But if you do get Lamar Jackson, granted he stays healthy, you're going to be a perennial contender to the AFC for years to come. That's that's a given. So I'm I'm crossing my fingers for any one of those three quarterbacks. I genuinely think we're going to get Aaron Rodgers, and it's going to be great seeing him in the green and white, donning the Joe Namath number twelve. I, I really hope that for y'all because the Jets getting Aaron Rodgers with the roster you have now, like your games are going to be fun. Like, they will. Like MetLife is going to turn around real quick and you're going to see a lot more green in there than blue. But, I agree. And, um, and going, going to you as a Cowboys fan, how do, you feel, how do you feel about your team going into this year? You know, there are guys hitting the free agency market. You guys aren't doing so hot with cash space. You got to deal with paying Pollard and restructuring Zeke and obviously you got Dak's big old contract to handle. What do you feel? Do you, what do you think the team has to do to catch up to Philadelphia in the NFC East? I think, it, I think it, a big thing is the quarterback thing. Um, another thing that ruined the quarterback market was Dak's contract. Um, if you want to, if you want to, you know, be a Dallas Cowboy, you just compliment Jerry Jones's suit and he'll give you a max contract. Like, like the thing is like, he hasn't played to what that contract is worth. Do I think Dak is still great? Sure, I do think that's my quarterback. As Ter- you know, as Terrell Owens said to Tony Romo, crying in the press booth, that's my quarterback. That's my guy, right? And I do think that he did have probably the worst season of his career uh, this past season. But I do think that going into it, Dallas needs to find a third weapon, an efficient third, you know, or second option, really. Second option, second receiver. Yeah, because Ceedee Lamb. Is fits beautifully in that second role, but he needs someone else to really distract defenses, pull away defenses because there there are sets that they run where he's doubled and Noah Brown ain't getting to the spot and Dak's throwing it or Michael Gallup is sometimes a big play guy, but sometimes he really gets locked down. Um, I'm loving our tight end room, Jake Ferguson, Dalton Schultz. Like our our tight end room is really really good. 
Our line is getting up there in age. Jason Peters said he's going to come back. Same thing with Tyron Smith. So we got to figure out their replacement soon because Jason Peters is like 42 and Tyron Smith is mad old as well. Um, I'm loving Tyler Smith on the line. Um, the running back room is going to get interesting because Zeke is uh, not opposed to taking a pay cut, but I do think he really needs one because his contract is fatty and the, the money in Dallas isn't that great. Um, and I want to see what Mike McCarthy does regarding clawing plays because when Mike McCarthy called plays in Green Bay, they won a Super Bowl, you know, and they led to out of the top five passer rating seasons from Aaron Rodgers, three of which were called by Mike McCarthy. So I'm excited to what he has to bring to the passing game. I hope it's not outdated. I hope it's not just like an old style that wouldn't really fit because then again, when was the last time Aaron Rodgers won a Super Bowl? Before the year 2010, right? Or some some crap like that. So mm -hmm. we'll see, right? Defense, I need secondary. Uh, in the draft, I'm looking at Joey Porter Jr. from Penn State. That would be awesome for us. I, some mock drafts have us drafting B. John Robinson. Don't understand why. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I, I, unless Tony Pollard walks, which I think we're going to throw money at him because he is awesome. Um, I don't think we draft B. B. John Robinson. I think we go with Joey Porter, and if he fall, if the guy falls that we want with the second-round pick, we're going to get Hyatt from Tennessee. Um, and our secondary needs a lot of work, too. Our linebackers are just going to get better. Micah Parsons, I heard, is doing a lot of recruiting. So, um, you know, rumor has it Clias Campbell, rumor has it this guy. So we'll really, really see. But um, I think my situation is more of like only time will tell. I think it's a lot of minor adjustments that we just have to see play out um, compared to yours, which is like a big thing. Like you're going to get Aaron Rodgers or getting to get Derek Carr. That's like a massive, massive change. But ours is a lot of little changes that we hope would benefit the team long run. Yeah, with us, I didn't really get to the draft um, for my squad. I feel like. I feel like offensive tackle has to be the first round pick. It's just kind of obvious. Yeah, there's absolutely. a lot of uncertainty there. Mackay Becton, he's they're hopeful he's going to start this year, but they're not picking up that fifth year option. And Max Mitchell, hope hope he's going to be all good soon because he was very solid this season before he's dealing before the blood clot issue. So for the draft, I'm looking at straight tackle. I'm looking at Peter Skaronski out of Northwestern. I'm I'm looking at uh Broderick Jones out of Georgia, Paris Johnson out of Ohio State. I feel like. Uh, I feel like that's got to be the biggest. And also interior offensive line, got to bang the drum on that. Love my guy, John Michael Schmitz from uh, um, Minnesota, because Connor McGovern's got to go. The center market's not that great this year. And he's probably the best guy on the market, which is kind of sad. So he's going to demand over $12 million. I'm not allocating that money. And then I feel like you got to draft a quarterback also. I feel like you could take a swing in one of the later rounds. You know, as a Jets fan, the ideal situation for me at quarterback, get Aaron Rodgers. Or any quarterback for that matter. And then if you don't decide to keep Zach Wilson, draft Hendon Hooker in the third round. Because Hendon Hooker was elite this season before he tore his ACL. That's the thing. Like Hendon Hooker, a highly underrated pick. And some of these mocks have him going after Anthony Richards. And I think the only problem they have was with his age because he's, he's pushing us. Yeah, he's pushing a Stenson Bennett level of, of, of draft age, but the kid kid ball. Like he's really he good. I love, rock. I love him. I love him. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think I, I we can get to our draft obviously in a later episode, but I don't think Will Levis is gonna be anything and Anthony Richards is gonna Will be anything. Levis but I think Zach Wilson wearing to happen. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, maybe, I think Hendon Hooker's maybe he's good. He's white and wearing blue and white, but I don't know. <laughs> just something strikes me about it. But absolutely. I feel like I feel like with Will Levis, we're getting into the draft a little bit here. I feel like they can't whatever team drafts Will Levis can do what the Jets did with Zach Wilson and throw him into the fire right away. 
they got to start someone in front of him for at least a little bit before he gets to, before he gets to start, which is where the Jets screwed up. Michael Floor, former offensive coordinator for the team, said they shouldn't have started him in the first game, and his career is on a downward spiral right now. So, whatever team drafts Will Levis has to have that lesson, has to have that in mind. Absolutely, absolutely. But I think I think that's that's for another day. The the, the draft. That's for another draft season. We'll, we'll call Grace, Ben. We'll call Grace. We'll call Grace for the draft. Draft season is not for a little bit, but we'll get into that when the time comes. All right, Ben. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of the Sports Cemetery. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Once again, I'm Ben Kuchipudi. And I'm Tyler Graham, baby. Guys, enjoy the NBA All-Star break. We'll talk about that another time. Catch you guys next time. Peace out.